Colossians makes some amazing claims. It says that Jesus was there in creation and that he had part in creating everything. Everything exists from hydrogen to stars to galaxies, the universe, everything in it. Every power and authority, spiritual and physical both, were created by him and through him and maybe most importantly, for him. It is all for his glory. Everything is for his glory. And all of that fullness dwells in him. And what we talked about last week was that the, the, the infinite character of God is found in the finite body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that all the things that make, that make God God we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. His, his perfect holiness is in Jesus Christ. His, his infinite mercy, his boundless grace and love for us, are, those are, things are all found. His, his perfect um, holiness his, um, his omniscience, all those omnis that God has are all found in Jesus Christ. And because of that, listen, because of that and because you and I have relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access to all of the resources that are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That means the provider that we need we find in Jesus Christ. That means the, the mercy that we need, we find in him. The protection that we need as, as God to be our rock is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the comforter that we need is found in his Holy Spirit. Um, all of those things are found in him because he is all fullness. And, and Colossians, in Colossians, Paul makes this incredible claim. He says this, and we read this last week, but this is where we're going to start this week in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse, verse 9. For in Christ... All the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So that, that, what, what's that saying again? Everything that makes God, God, all the omnis that make God, God, all the thing that he is supreme in and all of his actions, all of his holiness, all of his goodness toward us, all of those, all the character of God, all the attributes of God are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we call, that's what Paul's saying here, that's fullness. Amen? You with me? That's fullness. Well, not only does Jesus Christ have it, but he shares it with his people. Not saying that you and I become divine or we're becoming like God, but we have access to his resources. He provides for us, he gives to us, and he allows us to share with him um, in the things that he's done and the things that we've, he's accomplished that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. So read with me. Second Corinthians, or second, sorry, it's not second. Colossians chapter 2. The two's on the other side of Colossians. There we go. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And listen to what he says next. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Um, so, so here's the, here's the amazing thing that, 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 Paul, that Paul is describing here is that, that in the fullness of Christ um, it, are all of these things and that he has shared them with us. He has given them to us. You receive these things when you became a believer. You receive this, this because you are now in Christ. When you became a believer, you became an inheritor of these things, right? And he's going to talk about all of these things. doesn't mean that we're becoming Christ in the, in the sense that we're becoming creator, but it does mean we are becoming like Christ in other ways, amen? Uh, because there are parts of God's character and parts of his nature that he shares with his people. And today what he's going to talk about is he's going to talk about Jesus Christ as being the victor. So he's talked about Jesus Christ as being creator. He's talking about Jesus Christ having all the attributes and all the characteristics of God. And today what he's going to talk about is he's going to talk about part of the other part of the fullness of Jesus Christ is that he is the victorious 
king, the one who's triumphed over every enemy of God. And he's just going to start laying them out one after the other. First of all, he's going to lay out sin and our sinful nature, and he's going to say, and Jesus triumphed over them. And then he's going to come and he's going to talk about death, and he's going to talk about how death was, is, you know, in other parts, uh, Paul talks about death being an enemy, and, and Paul's going to say here, and Jesus triumphed over it. And then he's going to be talking about, um, uh, uh, about how he overcame death and he brought life to us. And then he's going to talk about how, how Jesus Christ came in and covered our sins and he was victorious over them and that, and that uh, there was a charge against us by the law, an indictment against us, that we were guilty of sin. And Jesus came in and he was victorious over that indictment and that charge. And he's going to end finally by saying, all of God's spiritual enemies, Jesus Christ triumphed over in victory. Uh, boy, so we're going to hear a lot about Jesus' fullness today. And the, the fullness today is all about what we sang first thing this morning, victory in Jesus. He is the victorious king. Now, here's the deal. All of us have this mindset that we're struggling all the time. So what I'm about to read to you is gospel truth. You with me? What am I about to read to you is gospel truth, and it has implications on your life every day, Right? Jesus Christ is victorious when he won, when he, when he defeated sin, when he defeated the grave, when he sacrificed himself and his blood uh, flowed down, whenever that happened and whenever God exerted his power in him and raised him from the dead, that day Jesus Christ won victory, right? It, th- I've heard someone compare it to this. It's like the D-Day, it's like the Normandy invasion. It's like the D-Day invasion of Europe when all the Allied troops came together and they established a beachhead there on Normandy. And they, that was the beginning of the end of the Nazis. That, that The evil empire, that evil axis that was put together in, in World War II, the end was coming. It was all but done. There were just fighting and skirmishes left. But that D-Day, that day in, in Normandy, that was the time, that was the that was a in the coffin that would spell the end to Hitler and all of his evil schemes. Amen? Uh, the, the same thing is true as here the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come and he has bought victory for us by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all there are just little skirmishes happening until Jesus Christ comes again and declares victory ultimately when he triumphs over all of his enemies and says, and every knee bows, every, every tongue confesses what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? He is the victorious one. In all of the fullness of God, this is another aspect of the fullness of God, that he is the victorious king. And here's the great thing. He shares his victory with us. Right now, how many feel victorious today? That's because you don't go to one of those health and wealth churches, right? No, no, no. No, that's because we get all caught up in the struggle and we forget the fact that we have a Savior who is victorious king over everything. Don't forget, very important. Changes your whole life, I promise, I promise. All right, so, so here we go. We're going to talk about this, this fullness of Jesus Christ today, uh, the fullness of the victory that is the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of the fullness of, of Jesus Christ that we get also because we share with him. So read along with me. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start. We read uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Now we're going to start in verse 11. 
Listen, um, every time you're going to see these, this prepositional phrase in him and in Christ and in Jesus over and over and over again because it's that connection, that relationship between the believer and the Lord Jesus Christ that changes our lives and our eternity forever. It changes the way that we live every day because of that relationship that we have with him. So, boy, every time you see it, in my Bible, I've circled and ever underlined every case. I, I can't remember the exact number. It seems like there are 40 Four, forty-seven, something that I can't, I can't remember instances of the times where Paul says, in Christ, in him, in Jesus Christ, over and over again. So, so read along with me. In him, that is in Jesus Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been, been buried with him in, in baptism and raised with him, through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. All right, so let's take and break this down a little bit. The very first thing that we're going to talk about, the very first thing that Christ was triumphant over is that when Jesus Christ came, when he died and he was resurrected, our sinful nature was put off. Listen to what he says again in verse 11. In him you were circumcised. What he's talking about here is not circumcision in a physical circumcision. He's talking about a spiritual circumcision, but he's using it metaphorically, just like circumcision did away with the uncleanness of a man and was, was cut off and cast off, he's using that same symbolism to talk about what happened to you when you came to believe in Jesus Christ. That old uncleanness, that old sinful nature, the, the, the term here, put off, actually has a, a couple of things in mind. One is to be removed, and the other one is to be cast away. It's this idea that Jesus Christ has come, and by the sacrifice that he made through his death on the cross, and then our faith in him, that that old sinful nature has been separated from us. It's been cut off and cast off away from us. And so Jesus Christ has defeated the sinful nature in his people. How about that? And so none of you struggle with sin anymore, right? Oh, okay, well, I do, maybe. Uh, okay, maybe me, but maybe not you. So, so what is the deal here? Why are we still struggling? Because here's the deal. What Jesus has done for us spiritually will one day be true of us uh, uh, in, in our being. Right now, we still struggle. In Romans chapter 7, Paul goes into great detail about saying, I still struggle with these things. I still struggle with these things. I still struggle with all this stuff. Um, and then he gets to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. I won't give that away. Um, but but, um, but that, that same deal where, where in, in circumcision in the Old Testament for the Jews, that, uh, that circumcision was a sign for every Jewish male. It was a sign that they were part of God's covenant people, that they had been separated, and that circumcision was viewed as, as a, a, a holy marking, that the uncleanness of a man had been dealt with, had been cast off and put away, and they were now God's holy people set apart, distinct and different from all the other peoples of the earth. And now as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are distinct and different from every other, uh, we are distinct and different from all the other peoples of the earth because our sinful nature has been dealt a death blow. Our sinful nature has been put off, has been put off, and Jesus Christ has overcome our sin. He has separated us from our sin. Um, I want to 
Um, I want to read with you, um, turn back with me in Romans chapter 6, just a, a couple of uh, books over to the left there in Romans chapter 6, please. Something you need to see here real bad. So this fact that my sinful nature has been dealt with, that it's been put off, and yet I still struggle with it, how, how does that work? How am I, how does that, what does that mean to me in, in, in application? What does that mean to me in my life? Well, well the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter, chapter 6 is going to tell us um, what this means to us. In Romans chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 5 and read through 11. L- listen, uh, listen as I read Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. If we have been united with him, that's united with Christ, like, like this in his death, he was talking about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ prior to this, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Sounds very similar to what Paul's saying in Colossians, doesn't it? Our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin, or very similar language, that sinful nature, might be done away with, similar language to being put off, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So what Paul's doing here is he's, he's comparing, um, he, he, what he's saying is that what happened to Jesus Christ physically has been shared with us spiritually. Jesus Christ died physically. And we, when are united, being united with him, he shares with us the benefits of his death. The benefit of his death is the body of sin died. Our body of sin died the day that Jesus Christ died. Now, we still struggle it. We still drag that old man along is what, how it's referred to in some other parts of the Scripture. We still drag that old man along. Um, but listen what it says uh, in, at the very end of verse 6, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian when it comes to sin, Christian, or I'm sorry, non-Christians are slaves to sin. That means that, that sin has, has full power and range and authority and control over them. For a believer... That slavehood, that control has been broken. Amen? We are no longer slaves to sin. That, that body of death, that sinful nature that desired everything contrary with, with God was, was suffered a defeating blow at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so when you and I struggle against sin, it is no longer where sin has mastery over us. Paul would talk about it in a different part of, the, of, of one of his other letter, letters. Paul no longer has mastery, or sorry, sin no longer has mastery over us, but we have been, you know, that, that sin has been stripped, that sinful nature has been stripped away and we are no longer slaves to it in verse 8 now now if we died with christ we believe that we will also live with him for we know that since christ was raised from the dead he cannot die again death i love this death no longer has any mastery over him the death he died he died once he died to sin once for all but the life he lives he lives to god in the same way okay now here's the very practical part of paul's teaching you ready in the same way count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what's he saying? This term here in, in NIV is, is count yourself dead to sin. In, in King James and some of the other versions, it's reckon yourselves. That means when you're struggling against sin, remember that it no longer has mastery over you. It is no longer uh, has a, a controlling uh, portion over you. But, that, that, but Jesus Christ and his victory over your sin and, and, his, and his death blow to your sinful nature, you are no longer under its control. Now, you and I still may choose to sin as believers, right? We still may choose to sin, and we do, don't we? But listen, sin no longer has mastery. 
And so when you're battling against sin, when you're battling with temptation, listen to me. When you're battling against temptation, Paul says this, consider yourself dead to that sin. So, you know, say to it, speak to it, you know, say to it to yourself, say, but that temptation is no longer has mastery over me. I'm, I'm no longer mastered by my lust. I'm no longer mastered by my fear. It doesn't have that same control over me. And I consider myself dead to that. It has no hold over me now except the hold that I give it. All right, this is one of the reasons why Paul in Romans will say, you were set free from that sin, why would you go back to it? You were slaves to that sin, why would you go back to it? You've been set free. This is one of the very practical ways that the theology of the Scriptures, the doctrine of the Scriptures, and the death of our sinful nature makes a difference in your life every day. Consider yourself, reckon yourself dead to that sin when you're struggling with it. No, no, wait. Wait, lust, no, it no longer has control over me. It no longer has power over me because of the, because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. He's put down the sinful nature, and, and yes, while I still struggle with it, I'm no longer its slave. Amen? Don't be a slave to your sin. Jesus Christ has set you free from it because he has triumphed in victory, and he shares that victory with us even today when it comes to our sinful nature and our sin, even in temptation. And he shares his victory with us, and he says, you no longer have to obey the sinful nature in your life. You be my slave. Yeah. And he talks about the freedom that we have in him. This is so important. That, strangle, that stranglehold of sin over our lives was broken by Jesus' death, and he shares that victory with us. And so you remember, when you're, when you're tempted, you remember that that grip of that sinful nature has been broken, and you are no longer its slave, and you can choose to be holy instead of walking back into sin. Amen? All right, next, so let's continue to read. That's in verse 11. In him you were, um, in him you were also circumcised. This is in a spiritual sense, in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done of the hands of men, but the circumcision done... Uh, done by Christ in verse 12, having been, and here he's going to link um, together circumcision and baptism, very interesting, only place in the scripture where, every, where they talk about him being this so closely linked, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So here's the very next part is, is that this is the victory that Jesus Christ bought in, uh, in, in that he overcame death. And read with me, continue to read with me in verse 13. When you were dead in your sins. One of the things that the Bible teaches is that the, is that the wages of sin is death, right? So the, the payment that you get for being a sinner and for choosing to sin, for us continuing to struggle with sin, the payment that we get is physical death. We die physically. We also die spiritually unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes in and who redeems our souls, right? When we come in and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes in and he redeems our souls. And what it says here is that he, and continue reading with me in verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. So here's the deal. Before you came to Jesus Christ, you were dead. Your, 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 your spirit was dead. You were dead physically. I know you walked around, you felt alive, but your spirit was dead within you. And it wasn't until you came to Lord Jesus Christ in the, in the half, last half of verse 13 that God made you alive with Christ. See, he bought us back from the dead, right? He, he paid the penalty and bought us back from the dead. And so just as Jesus Christ was crucified and raised from the dead, just like he won victory over death in his fullness... He shares that fullness with us, right? Here we go again. So just like in his fullness where he, uh, 
uh, died and we get to share in his death and that old nature is put down. In the same way as he was raised physically in life, we're spiritually raised because he shares that with us. And we get to be raised from the dead in spiritual terms and that we are no longer dead, but we have new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, you know, baptism is a picture, just like circumcision was a picture of the, of the uncleanness being separated from us. Baptism, a picture of, of Jesus Christ's death where, where, he's, where he dies and he goes under, when, you, when, when someone was submerged under the water, it's a picture of death. And when they're raised back up, it's a picture of his resurrection. But it's also a picture of what's happened in our lives. When we die, that old body of sin, it's like when Jesus sees the cross, he sees you and I there. It's like that, right? It's like he sees you and I there, and he, and, and, what, and he sees when Jesus Christ died because we are in him, because we have relationship with him, and because we have faith in him. It's like our old self died, and we are raised to walk again as new creatures, new people, because Jesus overcame death. He overcame death in you and me as well. We get to share with him in his death and resurrection. You see, the the the... Uh, who he is and, 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 uh, and who he is in this sense. Um, uh, I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. Let me get my thoughts together just for a moment. Yeah, yeah, here we go. So the fullness of, what, of who Christ is is not only who he is. The fullness of Christ that's described here in Colossians is also what he's done. And what he's done, he shares with us as well. So we have his fullness. And what he, what he has done is shared with us. So when Christ died, here we go. When Christ died, when Christ died, our sinful nature died. When Christ was raised, we were raised to new life. You see what he's saying? You see what Paul's getting at? You see how the fullness of Christ has been given to us? In a physical sense, Jesus Christ died. In a spiritual sense, our sinful nature died. In a physical sense, Jesus Christ was raised to life. In a spiritual sense, we were given new life in him. This new life is different, so different than our previous life, than our sinful nature, that Paul says it's like we are new creation. It's like we are new people. It's like something that didn't exist before. We are new people. Listen, victory in Jesus. Amen? This is victory in Jesus. I'm so glad I'm not the person that I was. I'm so glad he redeemed me. When I was lost and wandering from God with no, with no idea and no desire to follow him, and now he has changed my life and he's changed my eternity forever, and he's done the same for you if you found faith in him. Amen? That's victory in Jesus. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's continue. Let's read through and the end of verse 13. It says this, he forgave us all our sins. I love this. I love this term. He forgave us all. I love it that, that in NIV, that term all is in there. He forgave us what? All our sins. Um, so the part where you sinned before you came to Christ, did he forgive you that? Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell your neighbor he forgave you of that. Turn to your left. He forgave you. Turn to your right. He forgave you that. How about all the sins that you committed since you were a believer, since you became a believer? Has he forgiven that? All done on that day, on that Friday, when he laid his life down, all of our sin was done away with. This, the, there are different words in the scriptures for sin. This particular word is, is translated trespass. What it means is it, it means a, following, a falling away or a falling, a falling aside. What that, so what this says is, is that God had a path lined out for all of us, and none of us could follow it. 
all of us fell down, all of us blundered, all of us tripped and fell down. We were unable to, to walk God's path. We were a- unable to follow in his ways, and all of us sinned. But it, what it says is this, is that all of our sins were forgiven. And so Jesus Christ has not only done away with our sinful nature, he's also done away with that part of our nature that continues, that we always fall short, that we're always, always blundering, always failing, never able to follow him very well. Is that true of you? Anybody ever have trouble following God very well? Anyone have ever have any consistency problems in their prayer lives? Anyone have any consistency problems in their purity and, and the holiness of their lives? God has forgiven it all, right? And so what we're tempted to do when I, when I struggle and in, in, in that I'm not consistent, when I struggle that I keep falling aside from God's plan for me, from his path for me, what we're tempted to do is this, is that we go and we fall off to the side and we give up and we feel despair and hopelessness. I'm telling you this morning, God had this planned all along. He knew you and I weren't going to be able to do this on our own, and so that's why he had to forgive all our sin. So what's he say? I know you trespassed. I forgave that. Get back up. Get back up on the path because I have the victory over your sin. And I have planned, and somehow in God's tapestry of all of the universe and every human who will ever live, the darkness of our sin is planned for and, 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 and done uh, and, and, and taken care of because Jesus Christ has forgiven all of our failures, all of our trespasses, all of our inability to follow him or be consistent in following him or to even love him very well has been done away with. And so somehow, even our blundering steps, even our failings have been done away with and have been taken care of in the power of Jesus Christ. And he's won victory over our blunders. How about that? He's won victory over our inability to follow him him very long or very well. Um, Everything that separates us from God has has been forgiven. Let's continue in verse 14. Um, He's forgiven all our sins. Verse 14, I love this part. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Here's the deal. No no one really knows for sure what Paul has in mind here. What's this written code he's talking about? This this word in Greek translates handwriting. So basically it means that there's some charge that's written out. Maybe he has has in mind a, a bond or maybe he has in mind a charge or an indictment against a criminal. Maybe he has in mind like they would do what the Romans would do against some of the criminals that they were crucifying where they would write the indictment or the charge against the person and they would nail it to the cross above their heads. And then everyone would know, everyone who came and see that this guy was a thief or this guy was a murderer or this guy was, you know, fought against the Roman authorities, was an insurgent, uh, but his charge was written against him. And what it says here is that what, what God does is he wiped it out, is literally the word where the NIV says he canceled that written code that stood against us. It means literally that he wiped it out. And then it ends, and notice how it ends at the very end of the verse. It says that he nailed it, to, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. In other words, whenever Jesus Christ died, he took that charge that was against you. He took that charge that, that was against you, that you were never able to, to uphold God's holiness. You were never able to do the things of the Old Testament that said, here is God's holy standard, and everywhere you fall short is written out like a charge against you. Oh, well, you lusted, you lied, you cheated, you were greedy, you were power hungry, you were selfish. All that charge that was written against you, all those charges that could be written against me, taken away from us, put on the cross of Jesus Christ and done away with forever. He wiped it 
out. See, here's the deal. The Old Testament law was good, but it had regulations. It had requirements that none of us could ever meet. It had, it had even the Ten Commandments have things that we were unable to do ourselves. We were unable to do on our own. And all of us stand guilty before God. And that's why it says it stood opposed to us. It stood against us. While it was good, it was opposed to us in that it brought about guilt in us. It brought about a charge, an indictment. And what it says here is that that charge and that guilt done away with forever because Jesus Christ took accountability for my sin and your sin. Amen? So listen, you're going to struggle sometimes. And, you know, I've been talking, it's fun, so funny. I've been talking, I talked to Brendan, I talked to our leadership, some of our leadership team here this last couple of weeks, and we just were all feeling this incredible sense of being um, totally inadequate. You know what I mean? I, to, to, feeling like we, you know, I struggle so much in my life. How can I possibly be trying to lead? How can I be possibly trying to minister or to teach or, or, or to lead in some way in ministry? Well, the fact is we never were able to. But the charge and the guilt has been canceled against you. And that's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. And just flip over. You've you got to see this. It, this, is, this is one of the most powerful verses of the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He goes through all this stuff in, in chapter 7 against struggling against sin. He says, you know, I keep doing the things I don't want to do, meaning I don't want to sin, but I keep sinning. He says, and the things that I do want to do, I don't do. It's like that picture of trespass, right? I want to stay on the path, but I keep falling off. I, 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 want, to, I want to stay on the straight and narrow, but I keep messing up. I keep blundering. And he says, what a wretched man I am, he ends in, in Romans chapter 7. But then in Romans chapter 8, he says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit set me free. From the law of sin and death. Very similar language to what we're reading here today. See, that charge, that condemnation that was against us has been done away with, nailed to the cross. Jesus Christ took accountability for the charge that was against us, and we don't face it anymore. Thank God. Thank God. Um, so, so there's the deal. When you, when you feel like a sinner instead of a saint, when you, when you feel like a failure instead of the conqueror that the Bible says that we are, you remember that Jesus Christ's work on the cross canceled your sin and failure. Amen? Jesus Christ's work on the cross canceled your sin and failure. That indictment, that charge that was against you is gone. Lastly, maybe the, last, maybe the most difficult to understand is in verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities... He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So a couple of things in mind here. One is, who are the powers and authorities that he's talking about? It's obvious that these are people who are opposed to God. They're not people. These are powers and authorities. This term was used, powers and authorities, by Paul to talk about supernatural beings, probably talking about demonic beings uh, is what's in mind here. But, but the fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ conquered them. And the picture here is that the, the fact that he triumphed over them and, uh, and made a public spectacle of them means that it's like a triumphant king who, who back in the day would, would conquer a people and he would lead them on a parade through a town and show the defeat of his enemies as, he, as they uh, came unarmed through a city of, of, of his own, right? So he would put, there was a public humiliation of the enemies of, 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 the, of the king. Very, in, in that imagery is what's in mind here, is that God defeated. God was victorious through the Lord Jesus Christ, and he disarmed the enemy. 
He disarmed all the spiritual powers, and, and he triumphed over them and led them in a public spectacle, um, really mocking them, really, in, uh, in, in our presence. Uh, pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Powers and authorities, he's disarmed them, and he's triumphed uh, over them by the cross. How about all that? So, so all that to say, the fullness of Christ, more than we got time to talk about, but today, the fullness of Christ, what we talk about is the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is part of his fullness. He, uh, tri- he was victorious over our sin. He was victorious over death. He was victorious over the, the indictment, the charge against us, and he was, he was victorious over God's enemy, and we have been given victory in Jesus. I, I just want to wrap up with this. Let, let's, uh, let's, take a, let's take a moment here and, uh, and pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, um, Lord, we thank you for your victory, and and uh, Lord, it's so much for us to take in, to, to hear all of these things, to hear about your victories. And I guess maybe we know these in our heads, but it's so hard to apply them in our lives or to apply them in our hearts. But the truth is, when we struggle against sin, we, no longer, we are no longer its slave, and we are no longer controlled by our temptation and by our sin, because Jesus Christ has won the victory, and he shares that victory with us. So what can we say but thank you, Lord Jesus? Thank you for your victory. Thank you, Lord God, that, that, uh, that when we were dead, you sent your son, and when he was raised to the dead, he shares that resurrection with us, and now spiritually we are alive. We, we can live a new life in holiness and, and in service to you when we, when we couldn't before. We thank you, Lord God, too, that, that whenever we face and we feel conda- condemnation, when we feel like a failure, when we feel like a fraud, Lord God, we can remember that that charge that was against us a charge that stood opposed to us and indicted us against your holy standards has been taken away. It's been wiped out. It was nailed to the cross, and Jesus Christ took accountability for, for our sin. He took accountability for the charge that was against us under the law, and it was nailed to the cross and taken away forever because of Jesus Christ's victories. Father, I thank you, too, that the, the, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren, um, our enemy, Satan, was defeated that day that Friday. He was defeated that Sunday when you rose back from the dead. And Lord God, it, that we have no fear of him, that he is no longer have control over us. He no longer has, uh, has authority over us, but we are yours. And we don't fear the tempter. We don't fear the accuser because you have power over him, gloriously declared in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray this week that you would make, a peop- make us a people or help us to remember that we are a people who have a king and a victor as our Lord and Savior, the one who's overcome sin in our lives, the one who's overcome death, the one who's overcome our enemies. So, Father, thank you for victory. Thank you for victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Y'all have a great week.